1: October 16th. Can you believe it? This year is almost gone. I'm Stan Friedman. I'm coming to you today from home base, Atlanta, Georgia, where a large contingent of the franchise world is currently in attendance this week at Franchise Updates Sales and Leadership Conference, the 21st annual sales and leadership conference right here in beautiful Buckhead in Atlanta, Georgia. Before I introduce you to today's guest, Peter Capities, I want to thank you again for indulging my week off last week as I rounded out the last day's of a much-needed vacation, which actually got away from me during the summer. But it was a week on Amelia Island in the early fall, and that more than made up for it. So thanks again as I ran an encore performance last week. But we are back live this week and have a great conversation in line for you with Peter Capities. With that said, it's on to the front of the house. And the front of the house is brought to you as always by Transitive, where they provide franchisors and franchisees with cutting-edge solutions that drive conversational marketing. We'll be talking a little bit more about that coming up in just a minute but first it's this week's franchise birthdays and we kick those off with many happy returns to jennifer lawson janice williams christina dunbar schoenfeld glenn franson John Rosen, Alan Branch, way down under in Australia, Chip Reeves, Sterling Cox, Nick Ermo, Dale Hartz, Tiffany Lean, Sierra Stokeland, Howie Bassick, Sean Fitzgerald, and Mike Carnahan. Happy birthday to you, one and all. Hope I got 'em all and didn't miss anybody. But as always, if I didn't, let me know, and we'll throw you a make good in a coming episode of Franchise Today. Also in the front of the house this week, my good friend, the new and improved Jerry Darnell and his wife Bonnie have re-emerged on the franchising scene, and have actually made an appearance at the aforementioned Franchise Update Conference after an extremely long year of reinvention. It's true, the last time that anybody saw Jerry was at, not this past, but a year ago's Springboard in Philly. And, you know, every time we see him, of late we've seen Jerry riding his scooter while greeting friends. Well, that was then. The new and improved Jerry Darnell has shed somewhere around 100 pounds, is standing straight up and actually walking with no walker or a scooter required what an incredible transformation my brother i'm so proud of both you and bonnie for the amazing transformation and i hope you're with us for another hundred years okay so what do you say we take a very quick break and as i promised moments ago we'll learn a little bit more about transitive and that'll be a wrap on the front of the house we'll do that and we'll be right back to introduce you to peter capnese
0: franchise today we'll be right back but first a word from our sponsors
1: Hey, Stan Friedman here with a word about our newest sponsor. I'm talking about transitive an amazing marketing platform that actually delivers what others can only imagine accurate dependable results that are second to none. All right, without getting too deep into the weeds transitive connects franchisees, customer data from all sources, providing high octane fuel for their marketing engines. They then deploy machine learning. Yes, artificial intelligence, which identifies various customer traits and habits, attributes that would otherwise likely go unnoticed, and it segments these customers into groups. This is important, Because as we know, not all customers provide your franchisees with equal dollar value. But wouldn't it be great if they could easily identify who's who? Well, that's exactly what Transitive does. And what's more, it then accurately drives the appropriate offers to each of those customer groups, delivering specific personalized messages to each of the group's customers. Just like that, your franchisees are engaged in laser-focused target marketing, delivering them much more bang for the buck. You've got to see it to believe it. So what are you waiting for? Order up a demo today and tell them I sent you. Find them online at www.transitive.io. That's io. And thanks again to Transitive for sponsoring Franchise Today, where it's now time for this week's guest interview. Prior to the formation of Capities and Associates, Peter Capities enjoyed a highly successful career in restaurant and hospitality management. Back in 1995, capitalizing on his executive management experience and in-depth industry knowledge, Peter formed Capities and Associates with the goal of exceeding the then current performance standards within the executive search and recruitment industry. His vision, combined with an unmatched understanding of the industry, client cultures, and candidate personalities, allowed Peter to set a new standard in retained executive search as pertains to the depth of search itself, candidate quality, speed of service, and matching candidates to client culture. Peter has successfully completed hundreds of senior executive level searches for companies as diverse as well-funded startups to multi-billion dollar multi-concept organizations, and his placements have led to unprecedented results for his clients. Peter, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you, Stan. It's terrific, and I'm thrilled
2: to be here with you
1: thrilled to have you you know we've gone back a few years together i think we've known each other for a half a lifetime and um, well, it seems like that. I count how many jobs I had in the years that I've known you and I've changed shirts of more than a few times in my career, but you've been pretty much the stalwart of recruitment. And, you know, as a franchise recruiter where most of my career was spent in franchise recruitment of franchise candidates to franchisees in parallel worlds, you know, you put people in jobs and I put people in business, but the disciplines I think are pretty similar. And we're going to talk about all of that as part of today's program. Peter, I like to start my interviews though, asking my guests to wind the clock back to where franchising found them, because we all know it's an unintentional business unless you're born into it. And I don't think you're the second generation in franchising. So tell us how that happened for you, Peter, and when it was.
2: Sure. So uh, for me, um, I grew up in the restaurant industry. Uh, Education background uh, goes back to the steak and ale, Bennigan's days, Bennigan's when the That whole fern bar concept, whether it was Bennigan's, Friday's, Houlihan's, uh, was booming. Uh, So I was able to ride that wave and was recruited out of uh, Bennigan's by Grand Metropolitan. And Grand Metropolitan had purchased uh, Pearl Vision Centers. And at that time, I want to say they had maybe around 900 or 1,000 units. And they were looking to bring in uh, individuals from outside the optical business uh, that could bring a new view. Uh, The interesting thing for me and where this really applies to franchising is uh, coming out of the Bennigan's environment. It was all corporately owned. Uh, When I joined Pearl Vision, I was going to manage 15 company owned units and 15 franchised units. So I had not worked for franchisees. So my introduction to franchising was really pretty interesting. And what I mean by that is when you're running corporate stores, you, you go into the store and certainly you're trying to inspire people. But at the end of the day, uh, they still need to do what you ask them to do. In the franchise environment, when I joined Pearl, uh, one of my first uh, educational seminars was a legal seminar on franchising. And we were, we were changing out a, a placard The stores and uh, where the the old sign said that uh, the unit was franchise owned and operated, uh, the new sign was going to say independently owned and operated. So after the the seminar, uh, I started going into my franchisees and talking to them about uh, changing out their placards. And this was really the learning experience for me in, in dealing with and how you're dealing with franchisees. So my thought was, hey, this is pretty easy. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to get their old placard off. I'm going to come in, tell them exactly what I'm doing and take the old placard down, put the new placard up and hey, piece of cake. Right. Didn't even give it a second thought. Well, the first one that I went into was in uh, Wilmington, Delaware, and the franchisee basically told me, he said, "If you touch my placard, I'm going to throw you through the window." <laughs> so, so it was it was at that moment that I knew franchising was certainly very different, and and really that's. Uh, certainly that's that's been in my head from then on. Uh, but really, as we speak with companies, emerging companies that maybe have run corporate units and now they want to get involved in franchising and they want to understand the uniqueness of franchising, it's a story that I tell. and it's a it's a story that, really lends itself to how franchisees, how the franchise community is different. And you're dealing with people that, and it doesn't matter if it's an individual or, or a large corporation, regardless, uh, they're putting a significant amount of money in the business. They want to be involved in the decisions. They want to understand the decisions that are being made, made uh, and how it's going to affect their business. So franchising... And the niche we have on the recruiting side is very specialized. And bringing people in from the outside uh, can be very, very difficult. Uh, And the learning curve could be quite significant and significant to the company. And we've had certainly some examples of that. If we go back to, I don't know if people remember, maybe uh, Burger King when they brought in uh, Mr. Blum, who came out of Darden, uh, a corporate corporate-run business 100%, went into a franchise community. And even that that level, with that level of success, it was exceedingly difficult. So whether we're talking about uh, unit operational level uh, on up across any of the disciplines, it's very unique. So I might have gone a little longer than uh, an- answering the
1: question, but... That that was a great description. And you remind me, as I say so often, about the difference between those two environments. Um, you know, when I was working for a company where I was in charge and I tell an employee, you will do this or you will not do that, it's a whole lot different than what you can do with a franchisee to the point you've made and articulated so clearly. I always tell people that the best thing that can happen in a franchise environment is for a franchisor to have in his mind something that he wants his franchisee to do. And in a perfect world, if you could whisper in their ear while they're sleeping and plant that seed of an idea and have that franchisee wake up the next day and give you the call, a phone call as the franchisor and say, hey, Mr. Franchisor, I had this wild, crazy dream last night. And I want to run this by you because it gave me a great idea. And the franchisor says, sure. What, what, what was that, Peter? And and Peter comes back and says, well, here's what it was. And it's exactly what was whispered in his ear when he was sleeping. And the franchisor says, that's an incredible idea, Peter. What can I do to help you make that happen? Perfect world. It doesn't live that way and it doesn't play that way. But that's that would be a perfect world, wouldn't it? I, I sure would like some of those seeds. <laughs> so walk <laughs> us walk us up to more to the current day. So- um, great background on how you got started. What um, what was it that fostered you to begin this business? And, and let's talk a little bit about the progress it's made in the 24 or so years that you've been
2: here. Sure. So so for me, the manpower planning piece is and the people piece has always been exceedingly important. And when I go back to my Pearl days, we were moving, you may remember when A one hour optical service with lens crafters became a really big deal and everybody wanted their glasses in an hour. So at Pearl, uh, we began moving from that traditional uh, traditional method where it could take four or five days a week, two weeks, to to an express concept, which that meant it meant going from maybe 11, 12, 1,500 square feet to now maybe around three or 4,000 square feet. So a bigger footprint, a uh, much larger staff. So manpower planning was exceedingly important as we grew from maybe six, seven employees in a unit to 20 or 30 employees. So that's something in terms of my background that has always been very important. And even in the restaurant days, you're always recruiting, you're always training. So for me, it was really a natural progression. Uh, into the search side, and on the search side, what we wanted to accomplish was not just to put people in, to put people in, but we wanted a means to measure the caliber, the fit. Um, how do we really ensure? So, if a client comes to me and says, "You know, is this a? How is this person going to impact my business? Can they do the job? Do they have the right competencies for it?" Well, without some some tools uh, to to accurately measure that, it's really how I feel or how that person may be performed in the past, which certainly is important. But for us, we wanted to develop or acquire tools that a client could come to us and say, hey, we want to know if this person is organized and sequential. Are they conscientious? Are they going to see things through to completion? Uh, is this somebody that's a doer or are they a thinker? Uh, are they going to be a good communicator? So we, we went out, we researched a number of tools. Uh, we came up with a matrix to see what tools provided what data. Uh, we landed on an assessment tool that has been around for now 70 years phenomenal data the company is accredited by the american psychological association they have all kinds of validity and reliability studies so that's the, the tool we we chose. It also gives us the opportunity to to look at an organization and and look at where see where are the voids and as we bring people in, how do we fill those voids? So really for us it was really taking the search to a whole nother level and saying, How do we how do we truly help this client long term? how do we ensure that this is going to be a good long-term fit? Uh, does this person have the, the cognitive ability, the behavioral ability to do the job and be successful? So uh, in addition to that, uh, we uh, also use third parties for our background checks. We don't uh, certainly will check references, but uh, really we want a third party. We don't want somebody coming back to us and saying, hey, you checked the references or you check to see if they you know had a criminal report or DUI or whatever it is. So we use a third party uh, background check company. And so they run a complete dossier essentially on on an individual looking at credit, DMV reports, uh, education uh, that they've done, what they said they've done, including employment, verification, criminal reports, etc. So we feel like all those components are exceedingly important and we want to do our best to ensure that the client is getting who they believe they're getting before they walk in the door.
1: And you take it a step further, don't you? Because with the tools that you've just described that you use from what I've read, you're able to really go beyond just the recruitment aspects of human uh, resource work for your clients. But with the kind of information that is provided by you, you're really providing some level of business intelligence that goes into coaching and team building and succession planning and even conflict resolution are all natural progressions available to your clients from the things that I've read about the tools that you use, Peter.
2: Absolutely, and this isn't this isn't you know a a Capades thing. This is really about best practices. So when a search is engaged, whether it's us or whoever it is, or even internal, understanding or having a benchmark as to what the executive team looks like or the team looks like, and then the individuals that you're bringing in. And that doesn't mean you're looking to bring in like individuals. What it means is we want to bring someone in that is unique, that's going to add value to the company, that still will be able to work successfully with the team. And that's really all about best practices. Taking it a step further, you're absolutely correct. So once an individual is brought in, then a team building session occurs. It's about a four-hour team building session. Whether you call it team building or onboarding, it's certainly part of the onboarding process. So you're really getting in a room with four, five, six, seven, ten, 10, however many people are on that team and really talking through how do you work with each other? What's important? How do you motivate Peter? How do you motivate Stan? And then how are they going to communicate? And then when they don't communicate, what's that going to look like? And how do you get them back on track? So it goes from team building, conflict resolution, and then and, and succession planning. So it's what are the voids that... Peter has, Dan has, whoever has, and how do we give them the type of development they're going to need to move on to, whether it's the next level, whether it's a cross-function, whatever it is. So...
1: Pretty powerful stuff. And in fact, we're going to take a break sooner than usual, just because the topic of conversation just begs me at this juncture to introduce Zoracle to you. And what better way for me to do that than to ask you to indulge this next commercial break, which is going to talk a lot about what we are talking about right here and now. And we'll be right back.
0: Franchise Today, will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors.
1: This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle, providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zoracle's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online and like magic Zoracles' algorithms scientifically slice dice and analyze their thresholds for risk their business acumen and even their propensity for single or multi unit ownership. Zoracle's spot on analysis is like having a crystal ball, but there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today? Take a complimentary look and see for yourself. It's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zoracle, spot on assessments based on science but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoricalprofiles.com. I mean, Peter, you can't make it up. That's what we're talking about. You doing it in the hiring process and Zoracle doing it for franchisors, bringing on and recruiting franchisees that are going to fit the balance of the business. And in today's world, I don't think you can do enough of that.
2: Uh, I agree. And I, I, the, I think the other Thing that I would tell you as well is, you know, with with assessments, I think people want to argue whose assessment is better, right? This is better than mine. Yours is better than whatever. But um, what you'll find when you look at companies that really are utilizing assessments, that you're going to find that they're using two or three different assessments. So having one is great, having two is great, and having three is great. And the reason for that is what, what you're getting then is amazing validity. So whether you're using our tool or Zoracle, it, it's not a bad idea to have a couple of different tools. And it's going to really give you the reliability and validity uh, long term. So yeah, they're, they're amazing.
1: And that's what Rebecca has explained to me about her product is that she relies on seven sciences, that she reaches to seven different uh, buckets to align the learnings of that person who's answering the questions. And it's like you said, it's checking and cross-checking and giving you a better defined view of who it is you're looking at in so many ways. And hiring, of course, that's critically important. And then when you're taking somebody's money for a 10 or 20 year relationship, it becomes all the more important. And again, I don't think there's too much of that on either front. Peter, we're in a changing world today, and let's talk a little bit about what zero unemployment or close to it means in the franchise world. Is. And in many different ways, I think there are portions of this conversation that we can have that speak to how difficult it might be for franchise recruiters today to be competing. They're trying to recruit people to give them a check to get into business, while franchise recruiters are also struggling with the fact that that potential franchisee is being recruited by somebody trying to give them a job and pay them to take a position and I guess the competition for both in an economy that is so down to close to zero in unemployment has got to be a record breaking enigma how do how do you see that through the eyes of a recruiting professional So I say it's
2: festive <laughs> And uh, so really, we've been here for a couple of years. And I I, I believe this goes back to when we went through the Great Recession. So if we go back to those times, you know, prior to that, uh, many of these companies or many of the franchisors had some bench strength or some folks that they were developing to grow long term. So when the recession came, they all went away, you know, and they kept their strongest, most seasoned folks and thinned out the ranks. So as we began to come out of that, we came out of it, as you remember, pretty slowly. And what we saw was people wanting to hire, but being very, very cautious. So hiring decisions could take three, four, five, six months. Uh, So I think where I'm going with this is we came out of that and we're pretty thin. We were pretty thin from uh, a bench strength, from an experience standpoint within franchising and certainly on the franchise development side. So where we're at today is, and there are certainly people out there, but when a client comes, whether it's us or I'm sure any other firm in our industry, when they're coming to us, if they're going to pay a fee, they want to know that somebody has an established track record and an established track record doesn't mean you've been in a job for one year, two year, one year, two years. They want to see somebody that's been doing it and successful doing it for maybe three four or five years now they don't necessarily need to see somebody that's been there for 20 years because that's a whole nother issue right because then you know just one system but at least having you know three four five years in a role and, and moving on and showing that you have a demonstrated track record with it whether that's on the lead gen side whether that's uh, managing the lead flow getting the deals closed bringing on successful franchisees etc uh, that that's why they're coming to us. And really I think hopefully a franchise or whether you're emerging or not, those are the types of folks that that you're looking for, but most often when they're coming for us, uh, coming to us, that's what they want. And the reality today is if you place that whether you Put it on Career Builder, Monster, wherever you want to put it. You really, you're just wasting your money. You really have to be doing some heavy networking. Uh, You need to be on LinkedIn, and really, you need to be going after folks directly. And you need to be branding who you are and why you should join this organization. Right. So. Uh, It's not enough just to be out there recruiting. You need to be thinking prior to that. And what is our brand? Why does somebody want to join us? So uh, yeah, so the market's thin, you know, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Four years ago, five years ago, certainly no problem coming up with six, eight, 10 really strong folks. Today you get three or four folks that are kind of spot on for your client. That's a beautiful thing. The other thing to recognize too, is that everybody's goals, and objectives are different. So you might need somebody that's a a specialist with an emerging franchise or you might need somebody else that has worked in a mature system. Uh, You might need someone else that maybe is more process driven. So, you know, the difference between, you know, bringing somebody on with a Burger King Wendy's, you're dealing really, you're looking at preserving brand equity, right? And making sure, absolutely ensuring, even though everyone certainly wants to do this that you are bringing on franchisees that can be highly successful in that organization. Uh, certainly, you want to do that at, at a, an emerging level, but you're also trying to grow that brand as well. And ensure that those franchisees, those certainly those first 40, 50 franchisees that you bring on are the right franchisees, and that they're going to be successful. So even though we talk about whether it's franchise development, whether it's marketing, if we look at marketing, we're dealing with a company that maybe is in the plumbing or heating and air conditioning build. The business or moving business, you know, that marketing function really needs to be highly focused on uh, driving leads, right? So it's going to be heavy digital. I mean, everything's kind of moving digital, but that function is absolutely critical. So you might see a VP of marketing in one of those companies with a heavy emphasis on, on lead generation. So specifically driving consumers to the brand. So every search is really very different. And so the reason I tell you you that is because even something that might be a VP of marketing, VP of development, chief development officer, COO, CO, CO, CEO, every single one is unique and the skills that they're looking for are unique. And the reality today is there are more opportunities, quite frankly, than there are people. So it's really it's really convincing them, it's talking to them about the brand. The brand has to be exciting, what the brand does, how they work with their people has to be exciting. And then going back to that assessment, right? They want to know if they're making a move that it's going to be a good fit. And so that's another piece for us that's really quite helpful because we've we've assessed the hiring manager, we've assessed the candidate, and we know if it's going to be a good fit or not. And part of it, you know, the integrity is ensuring that both the candidate and and, and client know that this is a good long-term fit or it's not.
1: Peter, how do you see the technology aspect of franchising? I mean, technology has just advanced so, so much in the last couple of years, probably doubles on itself multiple times each year. How has it changed the profile of a franchise recruitment candidate? How has it changed the job description? Because, you know, franchising is so high tech and high touch. I don't think you're ever going to take the high touch out of it. I don't think that franchise recruitment will ever be something that's completely reliant on technology, there's always going to be the human aspect of the need to assess. But how much has it changed? And how much has it changed the way you do your business?
2: Uh, it's it, enormous is, is I guess, the one word answer. Um, as you remember, you know, back in the day, we did trade shows, right? And we sent information out to people, and that took, you know, maybe a few days, a week, whatever. Now, people, they want a response to in- instantly. So whether we're talking about a franchise candidate, if they're looking, they want to talk to somebody now. So your ability to respond to those folks uh, is exceedingly uh, important, and it has to be fast. It's the same thing for us. Uh, speed is absolutely critical. Uh, the franchise wars, they have open jobs. Out there. They have open jobs that are costing them money right? So if they need, a, whether it's a, a VP or three, four, five franchise salespeople or business consultants or marketing, whatever whatever that job is, they need people in position and they need not just people in position, but people that are going to generate an ROI for them. And I don't mean to, you know, look at people as, as you know, at a, just a financial means, but at the end of the day, it, it's costing that franchisor or franchisee money. So, speed is, is absolutely critical. And, you know, quite frankly, it's something that we work on every single day. It's what can we do? How can we do it faster? How can we get these people pre qualified faster? How can we get out to the group faster? How can we get them assessed faster? It's really about speed. And so, speed is just enormous. Absolutely enormous. And so when I talk about speed, you can't give up quality either, right? So you can't give up quality to get speed. You've got to have very high quality with the speed. So uh, the processes and systems, some of the systems tools that are out there are fantastic. Any franchisor who doesn't have some of the franchise um, management systems out there in place, they're missing the boat. They're missing the boat big. So, yeah.
1: So, Peter, there are, you know, in the audience, there are a great many people who would tell you I would never use a franchise broker. There are a great many people out there that would tell you they would never do anything without a franchise broker in their recruitment processes and procedures. I'm certain that the same conversation could exchange the word broker for recruiter in terms of executive search. What do you say to the franchisor out there that thinks he can do this on his own in terms of Being able to put the word sustainable in front of growth instead of maybe pinning the tail on the donkey and shooting darts.
2: So I I think a couple of things or I have a couple of thoughts on. It. Much of it depends on how sophisticated the company is. So what what kind of uh or what what kind of HR recruiting group do they have? What are the best practices that they have in place? Have they measured their uh their executive teams? Uh do they know what a good fit looks like? So if and do they what type of cognitive assessment do they do? So are they do they have all these pieces in place? And if they do, quite frankly, I don't see any reason why they can't do much of that on their own other than sheer volume. So there will always be critical roles that they need search firms, whether it's us or whoever. they There will always be critical roles where we have the relationships with people and we can get them in the door. So there will always be that uh, that need, that opportunity, even with the most sophisticated companies. If they don't have those best practices in place, if they're just doing it on a hunch, if they're just running it on their gut, then, then they're taking a risk, right? Because you have a 50-50 shot, number one. And even if you get somebody you like, so think about this. We actually, we did this for a client. So we had a client come to us. This was about a year and a half. And they basically saw saw search firms as a commodity and said, you know, you're just going to give me a bunch of bodies and, and we're going to hire one of them and they may be good or maybe they won't be good or whatever. So we wrote them back a note essentially and said, listen, you can have a good franchise salesperson and maybe they'll do eight or 10 deals a year. Or you could have a great franchise salesperson and they might do 18 20 25 and uh and when you look at the cost, anything that you pay me is completely insignificant compared to what they're going to contribute to the system. Not just in, in franchise fees, but in royalties, ad funds. Think about going into a market building, having that market being built up. Uh, what are you going to do in, in terms of critical mass, in terms of advertising, having those extra dollars in place? And what is that going to do to your system-wide sales uh, overall? So. Anything you pay me is like, it's a rounding error. I mean, it's not even going to show up. And so the interesting part of that is, and this, this is a pretty tough franchise or a founder. And, you know, when we, when we look kind of a year, year, year and a half down the road, that 20 plus unit. Uh, units a year came true uh, for them, and the difference between having an you know an average or a good franchise development person and what they actually hired, which they had you know hired and fired a number of folks uh, over the course of a couple of years. Now they have stability. Now they have growth, and now they're moving back toward building their system. So. So really, if you're not using a very good search firm or at least partnering with one, that doesn't mean you have to do every search through them. Quite frankly, if you did, that would almost be crazy too. But certainly you should be using a search firm. You should be partnering one for strategic opportunities within your organization.
1: What about on the other side of the spectrum, Peter, when you're dealing with an emerging brand and you've got a franchisor who's probably wearing more hats than he should, but you know budget constraints keep them from filling positions as readily as they ought to. Is there anybody that's too small to do business with a company like yours? Is, is there anybody that's not quite ready yet? Or would you proffer that, uh, as you said earlier about the rounding error, that any real cost of having you as a recruiter is going to be incremental to them ultimately? So how do you position that for the smaller emerging guy.
2: So we we do work with quite a few emerging franchisors. So, uh, but I would say that these these I, I think it goes both ways. Well, I don't think I know it goes both ways. So when we're looking to do business with a franchisor, we want to know that this is a good viable concept. So if they have five or 10 units today, we want to know that those five or 10 units are, are generating good positive cash flow. And, and that the concept has some legs, right? We can't afford to do business uh, with, some, with a concept that is not viable and for a couple of reasons. Number one, there are too few people out there and if I'm gonna use up an inventory of people, right? Because people are my inventory, right? If I'm gonna use somebody that is highly qualified, who has a terrific track record, we know who they are, we know where they are, we know when they're, they they want to they're looking to make a move. It has to be a concept that is viable and can grow. So from our standpoint and then for for that development person so to answer your question, if they have shaky unit economics, then do they need us? Probably would we do business with them? Probably not.
1: And literally I don't think anybody with shaky unit economics ought to be out there franchising anyway. so well you would be surprised. Well, I wouldn't be surprised unfortunately
2: <laughs> that's, that's true. You've probably seen just as many as I have so so yeah
1: again, this program, this podcast is themed around two statements. The ability to put the word sustainable in front of growth or sensible in front of franchising. You've got to be able to do at least one of those, if not both, or you don't get on this podcast. And, you know, literally that's the stories that we're trying to convey to emerging brands. Peter is for all of us, anyone getting into franchising, the best way to make a small fortune is to start with some money, right? You've got to have, you've got to have money. You've got to have passion. What else do you prescribe for people that you look to do business with?
2: So uh, just just if I could, uh, I, I also want to back up a little bit to the emerging franchisor because those those first few hires are absolutely critical. And one of the biggest mistakes we see emerging franchisors make is they get someone off the street or someone approaches them who has a really big franchising back. And so let's say they're coming from X, Y, Z, dollar company. And whether it's whatever it is, it's COO, it doesn't matter. COO, CEO, Fran dev, marketing, whatever. But they they come with a very impressive back and a great track record. So they've been at XYZ big business for eight years, another one for 10 years, another one for 15 years. And now they're, you know, they're take, kind of taking a step back and Maybe they thought they were going to retire, but they're not really. So they see this emerging or and think, hey, this is a super cool concept. I think I could kind of step in here and really help these folks. And that more often than not goes very badly. And it goes badly because you have somebody that is used to having resources and a big infrastructure and isn't really accustomed to rolling up their sleeves and doing a lot of different tasks. And with an emerging franchisor, you've gotta have somebody that is sensitive to that, number one. They need to be sensitive to what it's like to be an entrepreneur. And they need to have the ability and track record to understand how to grow this and how you scale the business. So if I gave any advice, it would be be very cautious and make sure you're bringing on somebody that is really appropriate for your business. Uh, We see it happen over and over again. We know it because they're coming to us after it went very badly.
1: Do you recommend that? franchisors before they retain you, do you recommend that they speak to multiple recruiters?
2: No question about it. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you're, you're learning, right? So uh, whether it's a franchise consultant, whether it's a broker, whether it's a search firm uh, you need to get out to out there and talk to three or four and, and learn and understand what they do and how they do it. And are they going to be a fit for your, for you and your business? Uh, no question about it. There are plenty of folks out there that, you know, maybe they 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 wouldn't want to work with us because of the way we work. And maybe we wouldn't want to work with them. You know, if somebody just wants bodies, please don't call us. Uh, but if you want somebody that's going to be a fit and you want to use the assessment tools and and understand if they have the cognitive ability and so on and so forth. Hey, um, we're all over that. But if you just want somebody to throw bodies, go to another firm. I'm sure there are plenty that'll do it. Is it
1: it. easy for people to get into a relationship with you without a long-term commitment? Or is there an upfront commitment of time or dollars that that tie the relationship together? Uh, With us, there absolutely is uh, some
2: upfront fee. Um, And really, when you're using assessment tools, doing background checks, and putting dedicated resources on a project, uh, there's a cost to that so it needs to be real uh, the company has to be committed and and we're committed so uh, so there really has to be shared responsibility uh, if if there's not if it's one way or the other uh, then it's not going to work
1: my question more was focused toward, can I come to you and say, we'll give it a try with one recruit and, and not be committed to a long-term relationship? Do you make it easy for somebody to get a taste of what it is you're going to deliver for them before they sign on, sign on for a long-term relationship? Absolutely. Good stuff. Peter, we're coming, to the, we're coming to the place in the interview where I come to an open-ended question and ask my guests, What have I not asked you yet that you wish that I did? So I think we maybe we're
2: going to discuss kind of where we were uh, maybe four years ago and what has changed in the economy, uh, what has changed the business uh, environment. And
1: so uh, if we want to talk about that, we can do that. This was a wild card question. You could ask me to. You could ask anything you want to. So have at it. This isn't a political
2: for or against. Um, but as someone who attends the conferences very regularly, uh, we went into uh, the pre-election, and there's you know a few conferences leading up up to that uh, election, uh, almost four years ago, three years ago. And the business environment was was in question and most people were saw the outcome of that election uh as it happened that it was gonna happen differently and that those policies uh would continue. So the sentiment at that time uh was really pretty damp. And if you remember, uh three years ago the minimum wage for management, assistant managers, was going to go from like 27000 to 47000 And that was scheduled to happen in December. And there were a lot of nervous franchisees about uh, with that. Uh, we also had significant issues with uh, the joint employer and companies being brought in to lawsuits where the franchisee uh, was being sued. Uh, we had things happening on the healthcare side as well. So again, rightly or wrongly, those things changed, and the economy the economy grew. Now it's pretty crazy out there. <laughs> From every day, uh, you don't really know what's going to happen. <laughs> but uh, what I can tell you is uh, the labor market is very, very strong. Um uh, people, uh, people are very comfortable leaving a job because they feel like they can get another job very quickly. At all levels. I don't if you're a CEO I COO CEOs now, uh, I think uh, I read that uh, there's been more turnover in CEOs in the Fortune 500 companies than ever before this year so people are leaving jobs they're changing jobs the labor market is unbelievably strong so again this is enough, uh has anything to do with politics really other than policies have changed or they differ from you know whether you, whether it's healthcare or joint employer or minimum wage and that was that was certainly a positive uh for the market but in particular On the labor side, the labor market has continued to grow. Labor is a bit of a lagging indicator. So it doesn't mean that, you know, in a year from now, we won't have a recession or some kind of a downturn. But as it stands today, uh, the way a company markets to attract employees, the time they give them. uh, So your ability as a franchisor to maybe let that person work from home at any level from time to time. That's what people are asking for. Uh, The benefits that you're offering, how you treat them overall and the opportunities you give them uh, will really dictate if you're able to acquire the very best talent out there.
1: We are wrapping up quickly. This has been a very fast paced hour. You've been a terrific guest. I don't want to let you get away without sharing with the audience how they can find you and how they can get in touch with you to talk about those things that we've discussed today and anything else.
2: Sure. At any point, they can uh, go on our website, which is just uh, capodice.com, C-A-P-O-D-I-C-E.com, or call us directly at 941-906-1990.
1: Thank you so much, Peter. Thanks for being with us. And please remember to subscribe to Franchise Today at Block Talk Radio, and that you can download us from iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or virtually any place that podcasts are found. Remember, too, that you can ask Alexa to play the latest episode of Franchise Today. Like us on Facebook, and please let me hear from you with recommendations for future guests or anything else you'd like to contribute, be it good, bad, or ugly. Until next week, I'm Stan Friedman, and I'm wishing you the best, the very best of all things Franchise.
0: Yeah.